showtime. Welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show. Our guest this week is a true television icon. He played one of the most memorable and popular roles of a generation. And he just received his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame this past January. And you know what? In addition to that, he's known to millions of fans around the world as the original boy wonder and known to thousands of dogs as the man who saved them. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill show, the original Robin from Batman and Robin, Burt Ward. Burt, welcome to the show. Hello, citizens. <laughs> you know, I lived in New York City, so I kind of feel like I was in Gotham City. Absolutely. That, was the, that is Gotham City, is New York. Right. All right, Burt, we're going we're gonna to take a walk back just for just a moment. When you were a young aspiring actor, you got this audition for the role of Robin. It had to be really competitive. I'm sure that the competition was pretty stiff. What was that process like? And how did you find out you got the role? Okay, in a, in a nutshell, uh, just to give you an idea, there were all uh, 1,100 young actors that were interviewed for the role. Um, I was uh, going to UCLA studying acting and also studying professionally, but I hadn't done anything. And on the weekends, I was working for my father, helping him sell houses because he was in real estate. And uh, I was working at a house that a producer came by and um, he ended up buying the house. And uh, I got to be a, a bit friendly with him. And I asked him if he could help me. And I did a scene for him. He said, oh, that's really good. And I said, is there anything you could do to help me? I would really appreciate it. He said, let me send you to an agent. So he sent me to an agent. And the first thing the agent said to me is, listen, I can't get my actors work the ones I got don't expect to work for a year I never would have taken you if it hadn't been for this producer asking me to do it so if you get anything it'll probably be one line I said okay all right you know, kind of takes you down a notch or two right so a couple weeks go by and I get a phone call from someone in his office and says there's something going on over tomorrow at 20th Century Fox uh, we have a pass for you to go on the lot at uh, 3 30 in the afternoon Go to a certain bungalow and you're going to see a casting director. I said, oh, well, what is it about? Well, we, we don't know. It's just we heard that they're looking for young guys. Says, okay. So I, the next day I went there and I went in and I went to see the casting director. He didn't mention what it was. He talked to me for a couple minutes and said, would you like to meet the executive producer? I said, sure. I figured everybody got to meet the executive producer. Well, actually, that's not true. But I went in and I met William Dozier, the executive producer, and I walked up to him and maybe because I hadn't been rejected before, I was kind of very open. I just shook his hand and said, hello, sir. And I think he was taken aback a little bit by my friendly aggressiveness. And he said to me, hmm, you're kind of big for this part. And I said, oh, but sir, I promise you, I won't grow anymore. And he kind of laughed. He said, would you like to do a screen test? I said, sure. I figured everybody got to do a screen test. Well, that's not true either. 
So uh, it was arranged for me to do a screen test. Again, I had no idea what it was whatsoever. I went to the studio and as part of the screen test, they wanted to see some of the martial arts. I had started studying martial arts and actually had become a brown belt in karate. So I did some stuff with martial arts and stuff. And then I did a scene where it just said on the script, Bruce and Dick. Didn't say Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson. Didn't say Batman. Just a single piece of paper with a couple of paragraphs Bruce and Dick. I was introduced to Adam West. I sat down with him about 15 minutes before the, the, above, before the screen test. And in the five minutes, the two of us were laughing. We never stopped laughing for more than 50 years. Became instant best friends. Just really unusual because that normally doesn't happen. We did the screen test, Bruce and Dick. I said, well, thank you. And I started to leave. They said, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not done with you yet. We want you to go over to the other side of the uh, soundstage we have two wardrobe men there. They're going to help you get into an outfit. And I said, well, no disrespect, but I'm perfectly capable of dressing myself. They said, no, 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 you don't know. You just go over there. They're waiting for you and you come back. I go over there. I see a little trailer. I go in. There's two guys and all this stuff on, on it looks like a big uh, a couch or something. And I said, am I going to put some of this on? They said, no, you're going to put all of it on. I said, what? I put on this stuff, most uncomfortable thing in my entire life. I could hardly move. I could hardly see because of the mask. And as I started to stumble out of the trailer, I turned to them because I'm a positive person. I said, you know, the good news here is that after another 15 or 20 minutes, I'll never have to put this thing on again. Famous last words. Did the screen test. I still didn't know it was Robin. I thought it was some Shakespearean thing and, 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 and there, Adam in this cowl, you see where I grew up, there were Superman comic books. There were no Batman comic books. So I never heard of Batman and Robin. And then after the word afterwards, and I still didn't know after I left, I waited six weeks. And after the second week, once a week, I would get a phone call from the studio. Oh, what's your sh shoe size? Oh, well, it's seven and a half. What's your hat size? Well, I never wore a hat in my life. Well, go get your head measured. Well, where do I go to get my head measured? You know, I mean, you have to understand the very simple things that I, I was having a hard time complying with. Anyway, it was six weeks later and these agents who had never talked to me since then called me and they said, come on in, we're gonna sign contracts. I said, great, oh, now I'm gonna be formally represented by an agent. So I sat, went there, sat down and I looked at the contracts. It didn't say the agency, it said 20th Century Fox. I said, well, what's this? They said, well, those are your studio contracts. I said, you mean I got the part? They said, sure, didn't the studio tell you? I said, no. And it turns out the studio thought the agents told me, the agents thought the studio told me, I had the part for four of the six weeks and I didn't know it. Oh my God. That's the story. Wow. That's a great story. How old were you, 20? Yes, I was 20 going on 21. So technically I had to go to court to get my contract approved because you had to be 21 years old to sign a contract at that time. Bert, after all of that, I mean, what a way, I know Rosie asked you how you found out, that, that's an amazing, fascinating way to find out, but when, when the show got started, did, did you have any idea at the time that this show would become the iconic series that ultimately became? No, no nobody knew. It was a mid-season replacement for ABC, and uh, the, the, no, no comic book had ever been brought to life. This was something that was just, they thought it was going to be like a fluke, right? And... Uh, we, we did the show, and, and remember, when I'm filming, 
I mean, just imagine for a young guy, 20 years old, I'm on this giant soundstage and you know what I mean? And there's a small crew of people compared to the giant soundstage, ice cold all day long. You sit for 45 minutes while they light one scene and you work for 30 seconds. Then you sit for another 45 minutes and work for 30 seconds. And the youngest person on that set closest to my age was Adam. And he was 37 and 17 years older than me. And all the rest of the people on the set were, you know, these top pros, cameramen, lighting people, they're all in their 50s and 60s. So it was kind of like, I was kind of very much by myself for the most part. And I, you know, when you're doing this, you're just doing these little pieces. So you don't see what it's like until it's put together. I didn't know anything about the Batman theme music. I didn't know about the cows and the zaps and the fight scenes and all of that. Um, and I, but I did see it when the show aired on January 12th, 1966. And when I sat there in my little home watching it, I said, you know, wow, this is pretty good. It turned out it was got a 55 share, meaning of all the televisions in North America, including Mexico, United States, and Canada, that 55% were watching Batman. The other 45% were watching local, regional, and uh, other network programming. So we, it, in fact, it's way beyond Super Bowl ratings, to give you an idea. That's incredible. And you got to work with some amazing guest stars on that show. I mean, Burgess Meredith, Cesar Romero, and even um, a few years ago, I worked with Lee Merriweather on a film. So uh, that, that must have been great. What was it like to work with all those stars? Did, were they stars at the time? Oh, absolutely. Everyone I'd either seen uh, in movies or on television. And for me, because so many people ask me, well, who was your favorite? Let me tell you something. I was so impressed. Everyone, I was like a kid in a candy store. Everything looked fantastic. And they were so nice and so professional. And I learned so much. It was an unforgettable experience. Bert, I, I have to follow up uh, on a question that I'm wondering. Um, you know, for years, there's been a debate about, and it has to do with another iconic television series, Gilligan's Island, uh, you know, Ginger and Marianne. A lot of people love Ginger. A lot of people love Marianne. Well, I'd like to just ask you from a different perspective. There were three amazing actresses that played Catwoman. You had Julie Newmar, Rosie just mentioned Lee Merriweather, and Eartha Kitt. So just between us, who was the hottest Catwoman? Well, I think they were all hot. And let me tell you something. The, the, what happened was Julie Newmar was cast as Catwoman. So she was the original one, and she's the one that did most of the shows, because there were quite a few Catwoman shows, all right? Um, Leanne Merriweather did the Batman movie, because at the time that we made the Batman movie, um, Julie Newmar was committed to do another film called McKenna's Gold, and she couldn't get out of that contract to do it. So they hired Leanne Merriweather, who was a wonderful Catwoman, and one of the sweetest people you'll, you'll ever meet. In the third season, Eartha Kitt was brought in to do one show, and she did a great job. So all three of them were terrific, but I think the ones that people really kind of gravitate to as the one who was really the Catwoman, because she was in so many of our shows, was uh, Julie Newmar. Wow. What would you say, Bert, that you want the legacy of Robin to be? That we brought a, a lot of people, a lot of happiness. We, we promulgated positive values for children. I mean, we had a lot of fun doing it. Adam used to say we put on our tights to put on the world. Uh, we did something back in those days that no one else had done. You see, watching television in the 60s, 
it was kind of a third party thing where you you're in your home and you're watching good guys and bad guys and all of this kind of stuff or a medical show and trying to save a life, but you're not really involved. What Adam and I did with our dialogue, we went right at that audience in every which way we could, okay, to try to reach through that television set and grab people and bring them in. So, like I said, we put on our tights to put on the world. In fact, I used to say that we were the only superheroes that wore our underwear on the outside of our clothes. Well, well, Bert, in, in addition to wearing the underwear on the outside of your clothes, you also did something that I don't think too many people did, and I don't know how many people even know that you did, and that was performing a lot of your own stunts. How difficult and dangerous was that? Extremely dangerous. Not too difficult to be, you know, just get used to going to the emergency hospital. It got to be a regular event with us. Uh, of the first six days in filming, I went to the emergency hospital four days in a row with second degree burns, a broken nose. Uh, uh, you, know, you know, it's just uh, unbelievable what can happen uh, on a set. I think they, there's a lot more controls now and a lot better protections, but- uh, Didn't that mess up the shooting schedule? Uh, well, no, they found something else to do while I was at the emergency hospital. They, uh, they, well, you know, I mean, like <clears throat> the first day I'm in the Batcave and it turns out that they have a stuntman driving uh, because it's too dangerous to use Adam, but they don't want to use me because the stuntman they hired for me doesn't look like me. So we come out at 55 miles an hour at the camera. My door flies open, which is unexpected. I'm thrown towards the opening. I catch my little finger on the gear shift knob by pure luck kept me from falling out, but it pulled my finger out of joint. And when they came over and it, it knocked the cameraman off the camera truck, the, the big arc lamp had fallen down, could have killed somebody if it hit him. And they said, Bert, we got to get you to a hospital. I said, great, well, where's the car? I'll, I'm ready to go. They said, oh, no, no, we can't leave now. I said, why not? We didn't get the shot. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was at 7.30 in the morning. I left for the hospital at 12 noon. The next day, the next day, where I'm climbing out of a burning car. I'm, I'm, just imagine being in a, a burning car that's on its side. You're down at the bottom, and Frank Gorshin is the Riddler above me, so you're completely claustrophobic in a car that is burning, right? And he climbs up to the outside, the driver's side, and jumps down to the ground. I climb out, and just as I'm going to jump to the ground, the car unexpectedly blows up. And when it blew up, all I can remember is seeing that ground rushing to my face incredibly fast. Back to the hospital, second degree burns. The next day I'm on a table and, 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 and it's supposedly in a subway in New York City and Batman's gonna break through what was supposed to be a breakaway wall. Well, guess what? The people that build the wall forgot to make a breakaway wall. So there was no little balsa wood that with a small magnesium charge would blow up. No, they had real two by fours, just like building your house. So there's no time. There's no two weeks to rebuild this set. What did they do? Special effects guy came in with two half sticks of dynamite and nearly blew the entire soundstage down. I'm tied down on a table. My, my arms are tied at my side. I'm, I'm looking up. And when the explosion came, it, a two by four came down and landed on the bridge of my nose and broke my nose. Back to the hospital. The fourth day, they have this shot in the Batmobile where the, where the Riddler is going to steal the Batmobile. They shoot me with a dart, the Riddler, and I'm supposed to not be knocked out. And the studio said, 
Bert, this, and this is in 1965. This is a quarter of a million dollars shot. We have 10 cameras. If this is only one time can we do this. We've got the entire street at 20th Century Fox blocked off for one shot. Whatever happens, no matter what, don't you move, no matter what. I said, okay, 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 I won't. So they shoot me in the arm. I'm supposedly knocked out. The Riddler comes around, pushes the start button, what he thinks is a start button, but that's when the fireworks come out of the back of the Batmobile. Well, guess what? Those fireworks that shoot up 150 feet, they come down. And when they come down, the fireworks are burning through my bare arms, burning through my hair onto my scalp, burning through my underwear into my private areas, okay? And I want to scream because it hurts so much, I never move. Nevertheless, back to the hospital. And, you know, and I got to be friends with that doctor at the hospital. He said, did you ever think of going into a different line of business? You seem very accident prone. I said, I've never been in an emergency hospital until this week. That's my story for the first show. But the good news is for the studio, they took out a giant, multi-million dollar life insurance policy on me and I could swear <laughs> by the third season just before the show ended that they were trying to collect on that policy wait I want to say this because only actors only actors would put up with that I mean in what other profession <laughs> would you allow this that is so negligent they would never <laughs> But they didn't mean it to happen. And it doesn't matter. That was so got all these. Well, here's the problem. You have people that have written scripts with all kinds of contraptions and, you know, 30-foot circular birthday cakes that have quicksand in them. All these things that nobody had, had to, ever had to deal with before. So instead of having a crew of 30, we had a crew of 80 people. And because these effects were so complicated, Adam and I were basically left alone. They would say, oh, you're at the Bat computer when you have your dialogue, or you're going to get into the Batmobile and say your lines. But that was it. I was never told in 120 episodes how to say one line. Never once. And Adam and I had this amazing chemistry. We got along so well. So no matter how he did his line, I took that and reacted appropriately. And, and it was so real. And because we had so much fun doing it, people really felt the humor. Kids love the hero worship. Adults love the nostalgia of the comic book. But the teenagers and college kids, they love those subtle double meanings, the insinuations, all the stuff that causes censors to come in almost every other week yelling at us, saying, we can't do that. And I say, well, gee, I didn't know. Golly, oh, I'm so sorry. And turn around and do it again. <laughs> well, you know, Bert, one, one other thing I just wanted to throw out there too, like Rosie was just talking about what actors go through and, and, and just all that, that stuff you just described. But there's another aspect that I think is, you know, kudos to you for back then. You mentioned 120 episodes in three years. There's a lot of shows in recent years where for them to get to that many episodes could take a decade because they're not yeah. doing 40 episodes in a season. That, that's right. amazing. That is absolutely Yeah, well, we worked uh, six days a week. Uh, six days, I should say, to make one uh, one thirty-minute episode. We did one hundred and twenty episodes, uh, two Batman movies, and then in the last few years, I've done uh, two two animation features for Warner Brothers full-length feature movies with my voice. Adam was was of course Batman, and in the last one, William Shatner uh, played uh, this villain Two Face. So uh, I mean, here you had in this last movie, Batman versus Two Face, the two most 
iconic television shows in history, Batman and Star Trek with the art actors working together. Even though it was really dangerous, it sounds like it was such a great experience for you. Did you go on after that to, you know, do other television series or films? Yeah, I, I've starred in actually 40 movies, mainly television movies, not feature films. When I was doing Batman, right on the first hiatus, which was a break before the second season, this is at 20th Century Fox, a young producer came up to me. His name was Larry Terman. He said, Bert, I'm doing a very small movie here at Fox, but I'd love for you to do the leading role. I said, oh, I'd love to do it. And it was all set for me to do it. And then ABC stepped in and said, no, no, no. Batman is too important to us. We don't want to dilute his character by him doing something else. So please don't, you know, we're the network. We're asking you, Fox, don't do it. Fox came back to me and said, Bert, I can't, I'm sorry, you can't do it. And I was really kind of brokenhearted. By the way, the name of the movie was called The Graduate. So when they couldn't get me, they got Dustin Hoffman. Oh my gosh. Wow. True story. Oh my gosh, that's, that my heart's breaking right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can I tell you, you win some, you lose some. I've always had a super happy attitude and stuff like that. And one more thing for your viewers, they might get a kick of. Uh, I was personal friends with Bruce Lee. And, and Bruce Lee played Cato. And in the opening show, the same executive producer, they brought Cato and the Green Hornet onto our show. And Bruce and I lived in the same condominium complex. And we used to spar together. And Bruce Lee's piece of trivia for you, he became the most famous martial artist on cinema in the entire world. But his very first fight scene that was filmed was fighting me on Batman. That's wow. awesome. I did not know that. And I'm a fan of martial arts movies and action movies. And Bert, I did not know that. That's a great yeah. and, and, and now five years ago in 2015, I was inducted into the International Karate and Kickboxing Hall of Fame, which was a great honor, became a black belt. But uh, I, I, I spent time with Bruce Lee. Actually, we socialized. We used to go down to dinner in Chinatown with his wife, Linda. And at the time, Brandon, his son, was like six months of age. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got to know him. And a, a really, a, a great guy, an unbelievable martial artist. He trained eight hours a day. So, you know, it, it's really been an incredible, enriching experience having done Batman. A lot of fun. Well, congratulations to you. It does sound like an amazing experience that really set the course for your life. But we're going to switch gears right now because there's another passion that you have. Dogs. Very and large cats. dogs. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, people say, well, what does that have to, one have to do with the other? I said, wait a minute. I was the Cape Crusader, and now I am the Canine and Feline Crusader. Yeah, my wife and I, for the last 26 years, have rescued dogs as our charity. We operate a full charity, no different than Muscular District United Way. It's called Gentle Giants Rescue and Adoptions. And we've saved more than 15,500 dogs and probably 350 cats, mainly with dogs. Everyone would have been put to death if we hadn't been there to save them, most of them on the day they were gonna be put to sleep. And we did this as a charity um, and we found safe, loving homes. We retrained them. We provided all the medical, the food, the shelter. And in the course, because we started with these giant breed dogs like Great Danes, would have a traditionally short lifespan. When we would lose one, it would just tear us apart. So, and, we, and so we vowed if there was a way, we would try to help dogs live longer, healthier lives. And 
we first developed a feeding and care program. I mean, think about it. If, can you imagine if you lived with 15,500 dogs over a 26-year period, never less than 50 in your house, night and day, 24-7, 365? You, believe me, would learn a lot. And we developed a feeding and care program. We actually feed in dogs differently than other people. And we can add three to five years to a dog's life just by the way you feed them and care for them. And we invite people to come to our website, gentlegiantsdogfood.com. There's a menu on every page. One of the menu items is special feeding and care program. Read how we've done it. And I tell people, what took my wife and I 26 years of our life to learn, you can read and learn in less than 25 minutes. Then after doing that, we wanted to live longer. So we decided that the only other thing we knew to do, with, and this is for our own dogs, our own rescue, was to change the food. So we went out, we, we hired four of the top nutritionists, spent $4 million of our own money to develop what we believe and know to be the finest dog food in the world. And from feeding this food, our dogs are living up to 27 and a half years, running around like puppies in their mid-20s. Of the more than 50 dogs I have in my house right now, 60% of them have already lived twice their normal lifespan. Our food is different from all the other foods. And it's so funny because we never intended to sell it. We only couldn't stand to see our dogs dying so young. But when people would come and adopt a Great Dane that was 18 years old, more than twice its normal lifespan, even their vets couldn't believe it, they would say, what are you feeding this dog? Well, it's just this food, but you don't have to feed our food. Go get something else. Oh, no. We're not going to adopt that dog from you unless we have that same food. That's when we said, okay, we got to comply with labeling laws. We got to go go through this whole thing, which we did. And as a result of that, we started then going into stores and one thing led to another. And now we're in Target stores all across America, Walmart all across America, online with everybody from Walmart.com, Target.com, Chewy.com, PetSmart, Petco, Tractor Supply, and our own website, GentleGiantsPetProducts.com. And this is our charity. We take no salary from this, guys. We don't take a dime. This is all about loving animals. And what we found out that really has bothered us so much is that we found out that where we were only expecting our dogs to maybe live a year longer, maybe a year and a half. Of, but what we found out is that dog food companies know something the average person doesn't know, which is the more fat content you put in dog food, the hungrier it makes dogs. In my opinion, it's all about money. Dog food is filled with fat and coated on the outside, whether it's dog food or, chick or cat food. Go feel, if you have either one, feel the food. You're going to feel that slightly greasy feeling. Well, in my opinion, that's killing dogs and cats prematurely. And you say, well, why would that do that? Well, first of all, it was put there not to help the dog or cat. It was put there to make them hungrier, to make them eat more. So you have to buy more food. But on the bad side of it, think of it this way. You would never take bacon grease or chicken fat and pour it down your garbage disposal at home, would you? Because you know that unlike water that evaporates, animal fat coagulates. And when it hardens, it's like cement. You'd have to buy a new garbage disposal. So my point is that when you realize that animal fat will ruin a metal garbage disposal, what do you think is happening to the arteries and intestines of dogs and cats when every single day, every single meal, every single kibble, every bite they take is encapsulated in animal fat? Bird, I have to interrupt you for a second. Is this 
food good for even for little dogs? All breeds. We start, it, we have, it, it's so funny because we started with the big dogs, but guess what? People would come to a, give up a Great Dane. They said, well, you know, I've got this Chihuahua and I, and I, you know, I don't have a home for him. I guess I'll take him to the shelter. They'll put him to sleep. And then Tracy and I would look at each other and say, no, 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 you're not taking him to the shelter. We'll take that Chihuahua. It turns out we have 45 different breeds here. And my wife has redefined the term Great Dane. If it has four, four legs and a tail, it must be a Great Dane. <laughs> well, well, there's, Bert, those are some just incredible facts, incredible figures, you know, that, that you just shared. And there's, there's one other number that, that I just had to ask you about. And yeah. I believe I saw some video evidence of this on your website where there's a video of you, your wife, Tracy, and I couldn't even count how many dogs were there in the bedroom with you guys. So is it true that there's 25 or 30 dogs in, in the bedroom with you guys each night? Uh, no, 50 <laughs> or as many as can get in the room. We never have less than 50 dogs. And now we do have a big place, but let me tell you something. They don't go wandering around our house. They want to be where we are. So, so it, I'm in a room right now where I probably got, oh, 15 in this room. So, if, and, and then there's some in the next room with my wife and so on and so forth. So it's, it's kind of a funny thing. If I want to go make a sandwich for, for lunch or something, I get up and of course they all get up and they follow me into the kitchen. And of course in our kitchen, which is not as big as, as this room, they go through this horrible adjustment of trying to move this so they can all lie down. And just by the time the last one lies down, I've got my sandwich and I'm on my way back and they're all up. <laughs> <laughs> follow me to come back and they, they follow my wife around and they're so loving and amazing and these are giant dogs as well as small dogs wow so uh if you want to have say a romantic interlude what do you have to go somewhere else <laughs> no 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 i know that's really private but you know no, no. And, and they love, they watch movies with us. We have a giant 85 inch screen and a super sound system. I, our dogs are, they, 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 and you have to understand they're there. They live with us night and day. They're not like, you know, running around. Now in our video, which I'm going to furnish you, you'll see they're moving, but they're not running around. You know what I mean? They're content and they love to be with us. And we let them come on the bed when we're not doing other things. But the point of it is, is that it, it, it is a family. It is a nurturing environment. And we've created that. And we show people how to do that with their dogs. We've got people who, who you know, who love their pets that would love it for their dog to live an extra five or 10 years longer. And by the way, the quality of our animal's life is far superior to their average lifespan. Our dogs here and cats are so healthy the only time they go to a veterinarian is every three years for a $10 rabies update. We have no illness here. With our food, we've never had any animal have any illness whatsoever. No gallstones, no, no, no crystals in the urine, all these horrible things. And one of the reasons why is that our food, unlike most other foods, we have no GMOs in the food, no genetically modified organisms in the food all natural, no chemicals, no preservatives, pure nutrition. Your passion, your energy is, is at the highest level I think I may have ever seen, or at least I've seen in a long, long time. Where do you get your energy from? Is it something in your diet or your food? Where does it come from? <laughs> no, I, I, I think I'm just a person that believes in what I do. And when you love what you do, and in fact, I tell people, because my wife and I have been married 31 years, we never had a honeymoon. We work seven days a week, but we're having fun. 
you know? And I tell everybody, just remember, the first hundred years are the hardest. After that, <laughs> it's pretty smooth sailing. And don't take life seriously. You don't get out of alive anyhow. And the best uh -huh. things in life are free. So here I am, good for nothing. That's incredible. Bert, it has been wonderful getting to know you. And we wish you and your wife, Tracy, all the best with your dogs. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. We love animals. This is our charity. And we want to make a better world. We just, by the way, formed a company called Superheroes to the Rescue, where we actually every year give awards to people who are superheroes, whether it's taking a blanket to their local animal shelter or helping people out, doing things for others. It really warms our heart, and we want to make a better world for all of us to live on. Because, to be honest with you, we're all here such a very short period of time. Well said, Bert. And, and folks, we hope you enjoyed getting to know Bert just a little bit more as much as we have. We thank you so much for watching the show as always, and be sure to share it with your friends, especially if they own a cat or dog. I'm sure they're going to get a lot out of this if they're a Batman fan or if they could use a dose of positivity. Thanks again, Bert. Thanks, folks, for watching. We'll see you next week. To the Batmobile, citizens! <laughs>